Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Welcome in. It's good to see everybody this morning. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 17. And as you are turning there and preparing for the message, we are finishing up today our our last message in the series called Church Words. And today's word is blessed, bless or blessing, all the above. We're going to cover that today. And uh, before we do that, uh, we want to... to, uh, lead off or close out this series in an entertaining way once again by playing a new game called Bless This Mess. So we have two couples that are coming today that are going to help us with this. Um, Chris and Susan Lindsay. Don't look at me like this wasn't arranged. Y'all know this is coming, right? So, so Chris and Susan are coming on down and then John and Brooke Sharon, they're right over here. They're going to come up. We have your microphones ready. Now before the service... I had the opportunity to uh, tell, y'all come on, come on up and stand on each side of me, please. I had the opportunity to tell Brooke and John um, about what game we're playing. Uh, however, I did not have the opportunity to tell Chris and Susan, so they're at a, a disadvantage. So sorry, guys, just figured it out, okay? Thanks for being here. Um, so anyway, we're going we're gonna to play this, this quick game again just to, to lead us off into this, uh, to the last message in this series. And basically this is anagrams, if you've ever played anagrams, which is... On the screen, and you can look on this screen. We should be able to do it there, but you can look on this screen, and there'll be a jumbled up church word. Okay, Chris, you're already making a face like you are nervous, man. You good? I'm good yeah. Okay, all right, all right. So there'll be a jumbled up church word on the on the screen, and and when you look up there, you'll see the word. As soon as you know what that word is, all you have to do is buzz in, and then you can answer it. You buzz in by saying your last name. Y'all can say that together or apart, however you want to do that. Okay. So so for example, like. Uh, if we wanted to do this, just for an example, to buzz in, if we wanted you to text to, um, to give or to pray or for visitor information, what four letters do you text? Lindsay. L-L-B-C. Correct. All right. That doesn't count, but good job. All right. So, all right, so that's how you, so you just say your last name to buzz in, and then we'll go from there. All right, pretty, pretty straightforward. We're going to do best three out of five. <laughs> Help him. He, he said he didn't understand the question. Oh, okay. Golly. All right. Right, hey, so these are not in Hebrew, right? <laughs> do what? These are not in Hebrew, right? Yeah, these are not in Hebrew. These are not uh, really difficult. We're hoping to, to play level one church words here. So on on the screen, uh, we're going to start this in just a moment. Best three out of five. Are y'all ready? Y'all ready? All right, here we go. Your first word is Lindsay Church. All right, off to a good start. So the Lindsays have uh, are up one nothing with church. You were underselling and over delivering, weren't you, there, man? Acting like you were scared to death. He's hustling, y'all. That's what's happening, all right? Uh, one to nothing. Uh, let's go to our, our second church word on the screen. Sharon. That's the same one. <laughs> this one. Lindsay. Bless. Bless is correct. I feel like you, do you play this game all the time or? Uh, just good at it, huh? You do you. That's all right. Okay, good. All right, so bless. So really, we're down two to nothing. Basically, if they get this one, thanks for playing and for being here, Okay. <laughs> It's, uh, we're, we're down, we're down to nothing over here. The Lindsay's are two, the Sharon's are zero. This is your third church word. Ready, go. Sharon. Right here. Bible. Bible is correct. Good job. Two to one. Two to one. We're hanging in there. Did y'all know it too, or you just got your name in there? What's your strategy? Just name first and figure it out? That's it. <laughs> it's working. All wait, right. I keep waiting for some help. Here. Word for <laughs> Careful, man. All right. <laughs> Word four. Here we go. Ready? Sharon. Sharon. 
Baptized is correct. It's two to two. Oh, this happened in the first service, too. It's two to two. I should add that the winner of this game gets really nothing, but I mean, $1,000. No, he doesn't get anything, but it's fun. So here's the, uh, this is the last word. This word will be the deciding word, and you'll take all the glory back to your seat, but we learned that glory belongs to God, so you don't get that either. Here we go. Lindsay. Prayers correct. Good job. All right, give the Lindsays a hand. Your winners. We have some nice parting gifts for the Sharons. <laughs> Thank you guys for being a part of our bless this mess game, and we are going to take a look today at the word blessing, blessed, blessed, and we're going to do that by way of also talking about what cursing is. What does it mean to be cursed? Does the Bible use that? And uh, and we'll get into that in a little bit too as we look in the scripture. I remember in high school. Uh, after basketball practice one day, uh, one of our, our teammates' moms enters the gym to pick him up, and, and a buddy of mine that was on the team said, hey, Miss So-and-so, he said, uh, how are you doing today? And she said, I'm blessed. And he said, well, aren't we all? Just in kind of a response. And I'll never forget it. She looked at him, and she goes, no, we are not. <laughs> and I was like, well, that was rude, you know? But she's right. I mean, she is right, and we're going to look at that today, why just because we want to be blessed or just because we throw it out there, hashtag blessed and all this, doesn't necessarily mean that we are blessed because blessing is a lot like salvation in that blessing is, belongs to God. It, it is on his terms, and, and whoever God would bless are those who are blessed. So we're going to see who that is. Now, I would say that while not everyone is blessed, we all can be. We all can be. The, the gospel is the most inclusive thing that there is. And, and so with that, turn in your Bibles, if you haven't already, to Jeremiah chapter 17. If you have your phones or tablets, whatever you got. Jeremiah chapter 17. We're going to read verses 1 through 4, and then later we're going to read verses 5 through 8. And as I mentioned last week, we plan to talk about some changes in the church, talk about some things that are going to be adjusting moving forward. Uh, but we're going to do that next week because we need to spend some considerable, considerable amount of time on doing that. So next week we'll do that. So today we're just going to preach from the text and go for it. Uh, Jeremiah chapter 17, verses 1 through 4. And the scripture says, The sin of Judah is inscribed with an iron chisel, engraved with the diamond point on their stony hearts and on their corners of their altars. Even their children go to worship at their pagan altars and Asherah poles, beneath every tree, every green tree, and on every high hill. So I, and I being God, I will hand over my holy mountain along with all your wealth and treasures and your pagan shrines as plunder to your enemies. For sin runs rampant in your land. The wonderful possession that I have reserved for you will slip from your hands and I will tell your enemies to take you as captives to a foreign land. For my anger blazes like a fire that will burn forever. Lord, we pray that you teach us now. God, we enjoy being together. And, Lord, we're grateful for the opportunity to worship you. And now, Lord, we just ask that you teach us. Shape us and mold us into representatives for you. Lord, help us to take in what you are teaching and live it out when we leave here. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. For the purpose of context in, in Jeremiah chapter 17, there are a few things to note. Number one, God's chosen people have split. This is where we are in Jeremiah chapter 17. 
the, the nation of Israel has split into two kingdoms. You've got Israel in the north and Judah in the south. And this was a result, basically, of poor leadership over the years. But ultimately, it was a result of the people wanting a king rather than God himself. They wanted to be led by somebody rather than to be led by the Almighty. And this was the, the, what led to the division of the nation of Israel and the separation into two kingdoms. Secondly, by this time in Jeremiah chapter 17, the northern kingdom of Israel has been overtaken by a neighboring empire. So what used to be the, the strong nation of, of God was now overtaken by another empire. That's the second thing. Third thing is this. The southern kingdom of Judah was not yet taken over, but was about to be. They were in a vulnerable position between competing world powers, Egypt, Assyria, Babylon. And really, Judah is just trying to make it. They're just trying to live another day, and they're trying to position themselves as a kingdom that remains a kingdom within this middle of world powers. In other words, God's people are just hanging on. They're just hanging on. Not thriving, but they're just surviving. And all of this, again, was a result of sin. Direct result of sin. Again, in verse 3, what does it say? For sin runs rampant in your land. God is dealing with his people. They are living, writhing in sin. And so now they are about to experience the consequences. Put this in context. These are God's people we're talking about. This is the chosen nation of Israel. They are, according to Scripture, to be a holy nation, a kingdom of priests, a light into the world. But basically all they're doing is blending in with the darkness. The Scripture even says in verse 2 that it's even going as far as the children are worshiping at pagan altars and Asherah poles. The prophet in Jeremiah chapter 2 told his people, that they have exchanged their glorious God for worthless idols. This is what's happening. The people of God taking on idols and abandoning God, trusting in human authority. Well, what does God think about all this? Like, and we've seen that in what we've already read. If you want to be real serious and real simple about it, God's had enough of it. That's where he's at. I've had enough. Now, I've, I've told you and I've told you I've told you and I've had enough. If you've got kids in here, they're probably going, I've heard that before. And we've, I remember I've heard that before as a child too. I've told you and I've told you and now I've had enough. I'm at the end of this. And so again, these are God's people. The, the scripture says, The wonderful possession will slip from your hands. I will tell your enemies to take you as captives to a foreign land. For my anger blazes like a fire that will burn forever. God is not a pushover. God is just. He is the author of what is right and what is wrong. So when we step into the wrong, he's going to deal with that. This is the just characteristic of God. When there is sin or when we miss the mark, there will be consequence. That is who he is because he is just. I want us to understand today, and this is not with the fires of judgment, but with compassion and warning, that God is holy. He is set apart from creation. He is completely good. There is no blemish within God. And we've already established that he's just. So if he is holy and he is just and he desires relationship with all of us, then sin must be dealt with. This is who God is. This is where we're going. If you listen to Exodus chapter 34, verses 6b through 7a, if you want to turn there, you can or just listen. But God describes himself as he is dealing with people, as he is dealing with his people and revealing his characteristics. And this is what he says in Exodus 34. I am slow to anger and I am filled with unfailing love 
and faithfulness. We love that part, don't we? Slow to anger, filled with failing love and faithfulness. Then he says, I lavish unfailing love to a thousand generations, which means it can get to you too. God, God's love is so great, it's, it, it, could, it can reach every generation. His patience, His mercy, all there still available. God says, I forgive iniquity, rebellion, and sin. We love these. And somebody in here may, may need to be reminded today that God is these things. If you've had a bad weekend or a bad week, bad month, bad year, bad life, and you walked in today needing the mercy of God, but don't feel like you deserve it, you should know that God's unfailing love and faithfulness will be lavished on you thousands of generations before, thousands of generations to come. This is who he is, man. Like, he is so good. He forgives iniquity. He forgives rebellion. And, and so it's good that you're here because God forgives sin. But you should know this. That's not the end of the verse. Because the Bible says, God says, I do not excuse the guilty. I don't, just, I don't just let it go because God is completely just. God is speaking in broad terms, in general terms. I do not excuse the guilty. The guilty is all of us. we looking at each other. <laughs> That's who it is. The guilty from the pastor to the prisoner, everybody in between, we are all sinners. The none not righteous. No, not one. And so God's unfailing love, his mercy for thousands has been demonstrated, and as he demonstrates his love, he is dealing with our guilt. As he, as he demonstrates his love, he is, is dealing with our sin. And the way that God did this was he laid the penalty of my sin and your sin on the life of his son. So God deals with our guilt, our shame, our sin by putting it on himself. He gave of himself. And sent his pure and perfect son, Jesus, to take on our sin, to be sin who knew no sin, and died on the cross a sacrificial death for me and you to cover our sins once for all time. He is God's way to be right with him. This is when we, take about, when we talk about the cross, this is God's love and his justice coming together. And he takes care of the whole thing. This is the way that God decided to deal with our sin. If you feel like you can do it better than him, there's no other way outside of that. And so we must submit to that and receive it by faith. We've just seen it for a child to understand simply and seriously, I cannot be right with God outside of God. And so I will turn for myself and turn to God and believe that Jesus is the way. And then God has dealt with your sin. Jesus took the wrath of God for us so that we could be forgiven. Listen to the beginning of this message today. If you really want to be blessed of God, you've got to be right with God. If you really want God's favor on your life, you really want to do something big for God, you really want to have a life that is an abundant life according to God, then, then you've got to turn from yourself and turn to God. Now that means if you're not a Christian and you're seeking and you want to know how to know God and be blessed of God, you've got to turn from yourself and turn to God and place your faith in Jesus Christ. It's that simple, it's that serious. But if you are a believer, you should also still know that God still deals with sin even if you are on the inside. That, that sin that we may have in our life, even though we have, we, we have been freed from the power and penalty of sin, we don't lose that sin nature. And so when it rears its ugly head, that sin is to be dealt with as well. God does not excuse sin. His character of justice does not change. 
You see, that's, that's chilling for us to be reminded of. We love the part when we walk in and the pastor reads the scripture about how unfailing love God has and how his mercies are due every morning. We love that part. But we sometimes wonder about what to do with the other part, which is, I do not excuse the guilty. Well, that's, that's true of God as well. Scripture says in Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 19, Your wickedness will bring its own punishment. Your turning from me will shame you. You will see what an evil, bitter thing it is to abandon the Lord your God and not fear Him. I, the Lord of heaven's armies, have spoken. Now, this is God's word to His people in the Old Testament. All right, let's go to the New Testament. It says the same thing. New Testament in Galatians, Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. Do not be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Now, the thing is, is we plant, we, we want a plant of blessing, but we plant seeds of cursing. How's that going to work? So if we are not being obedient to God, if we know God, but we're living for ourselves, we are wanting to be blessed of God, but we keep planting curses in the ground. Guess what's going to pop up? So I want you to think about that word, because this is where we're headed next, is what does it mean to actually be cursed? But think with me before we get there about the justice of God, how God is dealing with our sin. He has dealt with it once for all time through Jesus, but how His Spirit inside of us, for those who are believers, are continuing to work on us towards our sanctification to be right with God. And when God, when we are reminded of who God is and to know that He is completely just and will deal with sin, that kind of brings a chill up your spine, won't it? It's a good reminder to know who God is, yes, on the love side, but also on the justice side. And maybe there was a day for you and me where we used to react and respond to that justice side more than we do now. This past week, we went to the beach, vacation. Last day before we left, we enjoyed six laps at the nearby go-kart track. Go-karts at the beach are awesome, y'all. They're fun, right? So we, we stand in line, we're waiting, there's masks everywhere, social distance and the whole thing. So we're waiting to get in line, stand in line, we get up there, we realize that our two children, Davis is 10, Noel is 7, and they're not tall enough to drive by themselves yet. So Davis, my son, rides with Brittany, my wife, and then Noel rides with me. Now, I wanna, before I tell you the rest of the story, you should know that my wife was placed in the cart in front of me. Just, that's the way she was. She was placed in the cart in front of me. I was one behind. So I should also tell you, though, that Brittany, I think, missed her calling because she could go to the Huntsville Speedway this weekend, take a crash course. I'm pretty sure she could race on that thing. I mean, she can drive, for real. It's pretty impressive. So as, as we're locked in, Davis with her and Noel with me, and we press on the gas. And I've told Davis before, I'm like, well, you know, the red on the left side, that's the brake. You know what that's for? And he said, what? I said, absolutely nothing. You don't touch that thing. <laughs> you don't ever touch the brake when you're riding go-karts. So we, man, they let the hammer down, and we're off and going. And Brittany's right in front of me, and I'm right behind her, right behind her the entire time. And for the, about the first three or four laps, they're loving it, and we're loving it, and our kids are having a beautiful time. It's fun. I can't get past her, but it's fun. And I'm doing everything that I can think of. I mean, I'm trying to do everything I can think of to get around her. And then about lap four, I'm like, well, we, we're going to have to push the issue. So y'all know what I did next. I bumped her. Now, if you're in the movie quotes, he didn't nudge you, he didn't bump you, he rubbed you, and rubbing's racing. All right? So... 
But so we, I, I bumped her. When I did, it kind of spun her this way, but she stayed locked in and she pushed right on ahead and I still could not get around her. But when that happened, a guy that was in authority with a whistle that's standing on kind of a platform over the track blows it, looks directly at me in my eyes and does like this. He's shaking his head. Like, don't do that. And I'm kind of giving him one of these corner of my eyes like, yeah, all right, you know, like, I don't want to hear you. And so we had a, had a great time. We, we finished up. Still couldn't get past her. She beat me. Get out of the go-karts at the end. We're all talking about how it was so much fun to be out there, and that was a lot of fun. Davis and Brittany are high five, and, you know, they're talking appropriate trash, that kind of thing. And then I look over at Noel, and Noel's looking at me like this. Hmm. And it's not because we lost, because I was thinking, if you're sad that I didn't pass her, I'm sad too. But it's not because we lost. She said... You made that man blow his whistle at us, and you got us in trouble. <laughs> and she was right. And she was right. Of course, I'm playing it off like, no, you know, it's like getting a penalty in football or, you know, something. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to play it off, but she was right. And God taught me a lesson with that, that I think there's been a time in my life that I was more sensitive to when God blew his whistle at me. I was more responsive when the Holy Spirit convicted me of things that I was dealing with maybe than I am now. And used to, I might used to be like, gosh, God, I'm so sorry. I know I've hurt your heart. I know I've sinned against you. And now I'm like, ah, oh, his grace will cover it. Mm. You see, when, when, we, when we are reminded of who God is, the characteristics of God are so important. When we're reminded of who God is, yes, he's full of love, but he is also just. And sin's a big deal to God. How big of a deal? He gave of himself and his son died for it. So we need to be reminded of who God is and be sensitive that sin is sensitive to him. Now, that's two good pages of intro leading us to this. We're finally to cursing now. The prophet Jeremiah was charged by God to bring this word of warning to God's people. And y'all, he did this for 40 years. Jeremiah, the prophet, did this for 40 years across five different kings of Judah. He did this his whole life. Now, remember when I said that we often want blessing, but we plant seeds of curses? Look at verses 5 through 8. It's going to show us both blessing and cursing. Verses 5 through 8, the scripture says, This is what the Lord says. Cursed are those who put their trust in mere humans, who rely on human strength, and, and turn their hearts away from the Lord. They are like stunted shrubs in the desert with no hope for the future. They will live in the barren wilderness in an uninhabited, salty land. Cursed, the Bible says. Cursed is something we associate with like movies about witchcraft or Halloween. Like we don't think that's a real word in today's time. But God does use it in his word. And Bible history teaches us that the leaders of Judah, again, were, were trying to align with the right empire just so that they could survive in advance. They just wanted to survive in advance. And maybe you felt that way. No prospects of the future for real. Not really thinking about what could go right in the days to come. My life and what it's going to look like in years to come. This is the way that we feel. Not going to turn out like I hoped for. Not going to look like what I had always dreamed about. And so I'm just looking to survive in advance. He's hoping to hang around. Maybe something good will happen in and out along the way. 
Or maybe it's not these disappointed feelings about the future and about whether or not the future is secure. Maybe it's feelings of, of insecurity and fear, like, am I even going to make it to the next day? What's going to happen with all this virus stuff? I, I've got feelings of fear. And what if we don't get through it? And if we do get through it and we get it, then what's going to happen? So all of these things are, are piling up, and we're hoping just to survive and advance. Well, let me just tell you, God just don't want you to survive. He wants you to thrive. And he wants you to do that under his terms and in his way. Now, a lot of times, I'm going to jump ahead with this, but a lot of times we think that thriving, according to God, is material things. Hashtag bless money and things. Right? That's what we think about God's blessings is. But money and materials is, is not blessing, just like suffering is not cursing. Some people thrive in suffering. Some people make the biggest difference for God in their life when they are suffering. I, you can name at least five people, and I can too quickly, of those that you've watched have a hard time and go through loss in their life, and it make a godly impact on you. So how can you say that suffering is cursing? We can also say the same on the other side. We've people, seen people with money and things, and it's led to their demise and corrupted them, and they didn't, were not good stewards, of all, good stewards of it at all. So how are they blessed? So it's, it's not about those kinds of, of provisions. It's deeper than that, and it's according to God. Well, th this is where God's people, or the Scripture says in verse 5, they put their trust in mere humans. That's where the cursing is. They're putting their confidence, their hope in mere humans. They're relying on human strength. Now, if you think about that with us, a lot of times we, we're placing giving too much value to people making decisions, but we're also giving too much value to the feelings of the people we're looking at in the mirror. We look at the person in the mirror, we see how they feel, what they want, we give our confidence over to that, and then look where that gets us, right? Specifically, these people here were seeking deliverance. They were seeking long-term purpose from foreign alliances rather than from God, the God who has been their covering of their people since Abraham. God promised them to be a blessing to the world and that he would bless them, that they would be his people and he would be their God. He has covered them this entire time, freed them from Pharaoh, led them to the promised land, all these things, and yet they are still seeking outside of God to be blessed, to be provided for and taken care of. But to be fair, we do the same thing. We waver when we feel insecure or insecure, when we feel unfulfilled, we waver. And yeah, God, we know you've got all the eternal solutions and you're the only one truth and you're that God, but can you do something for us right now? Can you make us feel better about it right now? We want a microwave kind of God time. Let's take the, the virus, for example. I don't like to talk about it a lot because it's depressing and it seems like it comes up in every single conversation we have about everything. But let's talk about it for just a second. I want you to think with me, as we think about Judah, what if God did allow one of those empires to take care of them? Well, then what? So they put their trust in the king of an empire, and all those empires that we just looked at have died out. So then what? So they put their trust in the human, the human let them through for a little while, and then that was all over too. Now we're back at the drawing board again. I don't mean this to be insensitive, y'all, but, but we do know that if, if we are freed from this virus thing, something else is going to get us. <laughs> again, I'm not being insensitive. I, I realize that there, there needs to be wisdom and also faith in all of this. 
But if, if we are, if, if there's a cure tomorrow, something else is around the corner because the wages of sin is what? Death. The wages of sin is death. So for freed from this today, something else tomorrow. So I guess we need to put our trust and our confidence and our hope in someone greater than us. That's where we're headed. Curse, the Bible says. There's a big problem with trusting man for what only God can do. And trusting man for what only God promises to do. What's the problem? The, the, the scripture doesn't actually say that trusting in man is problematic. It says trusting in man is cursed. To be cursed here means to be denounced or declared evil. Well, that's a little over the top, don't you think, God? I mean, we're putting our trust in somebody else instead of you. I mean, gosh, to call us cursed. I mean, to say we're, we're dragging behind is one thing, but calling us cursed, God, I, you need to take it easy. Really? Think about what that looks like to God. What does this look like to God when we, let's talk about the church, when the church champions someone else, anybody else, outside of God for only the things that he can deliver on? What does that look like in the eyes of God? God had promised the nation of Israel protection, provision, purpose, but they're still seeking outside of him. And when anyone puts more trust in creation rather than the creator, what have we adopted? Idolatry. That's why God calls it cursed. When we are trusting in ourselves or in someone else for things that they cannot deliver on, we are, according to the scripture in verse 5, turning our hearts away from the Lord. This is why it's a big deal. It's idolatry, and God knows he's the only one that can help. He's the only one that can save. He's the only one that can deliver. He's the only one that can give you power over sin and heaven over hell. Now, to find out more what curse is like, God gives us a simile, a comparison by using like or as. I'd like to thank Miss McDonald in my fifth grade English class. We are like stunted shrubs, the Bible says. We are like stunted shrubs in the desert. The scripture says in verse 6 that we're like a desert juniper. In my botany research this week, <laughs> Google, in my research, uh, but in my Bible study, I, I've learned that the stunted shrub is the desert juniper. Just bring that up on the screen. This is the desert juniper. Now, the desert juniper's got a little bit of green on it, but nobody's getting up underneath that thing for shade. Probably not harvesting it for good wood to build something with. There, there's no fruit. There's scales. There, there's no, the fruit that maybe it has can't help anybody. Because the desert juniper is just thinking about surviving advance. Look at what the scripture says in verse, in verse 5. Cursed are those who put their trust in mere humans who rely on human strength. Turn their hearts away from the Lord. Verse 6. They are like stunted shrubs in the desert with no hope for the future. They will live in the barren wilderness and in an uninhabited salty land. Not thinking about how we can help other folks. Not thinking about what it's going to be years from now and in eternity. It's just thinking about I need just enough water to get past the day and get on to the next day. This is what it's like for those who do not put their trust in God, who put their trust in mere humans. This is the worldview that God is talking to us about. Now, when something breaks down in your house, let's, let's make it, put it in real terms. 
When something breaks down in your house, I don't think it wise for us to stand over a pipe that burst and in the name of the Lord, come back together and miraculously heal this pipe. I, I'm, I'm just telling you, and I think wisdom says, save up your money and call somebody who knows what they're doing and get it fixed. I really do. Now, nothing wrong with praying over it, and I've done that before too. Lord, you, your car starts rumbling and making a different sound. Lord, please get us to the next stop. Now, I'll do that. I'll go right with you on that. But see, with that pipe bursting and things like that that we need to get fixed, what comes with that is worry. You start worrying about how's it going to be fixed? Are we going to have enough money to pay it? Is it going to cause long-term problems? Do we need to get somebody to look at every single pipe in the house? Do we need to go through this whole thing with a flashlight? That's worry. And no, no man with a pipe wrench can come and deal with your worry. You've got to let God have that. That's what God's confidence, his security can deal with. That even if that pipe don't fix and it all goes down, God's going to take care of his people, and if not now, especially in eternity. That's the promises of God. So we take that and we turn it towards the Lord. Y'all, if, if, if we do this, we're, we're going to live in fear. To trust in humans and to trust in our own logic and thinking will be the outcome of living in fear because that logic and thinking will run out if not based on God's truth. So yes, again, to avoid worry, we'll do, we'll do everything. We'll pile on insurance. We'll, we'll wrap ourselves in bubble so that nothing bad will happen. That's not living. That, this, is, this is fear. This is living in fear. That's dry land living. We went to the, the beach this past week. Y'all, there was, there was, Brittany and I just got tickled. There were two kids, little kids, out on the beach and their family was there. And not a whole lot of judgment here. We know dealing with kids is hard. But it looked like grandparents that were dealing with a couple of grandkids that maybe the parents were gone and they, were, they had them for a little bit. And bless those little boys' heart, they never touched the water, not one time. But they were dressed like they were going snow skiing. They had long sleeve shirts, and I know you can wear long sleeve shirts and be cool and all that kind of stuff, I get it. But they had long sleeve shirts on, all the way down here were tight long sleeve shirts, big old baggy shorts, and then they had the swim things we put on our kids like we put on our kids too, right? That comes across the chest, and they got, by the way, those are a whole lot better than what we had. We were struggling when we were growing up. But they, they, put, these, they put these things across the chest and on their arms. The kids never touched the water. I'm talking about didn't even put a toe in it. And so the whole, we got to laughing because like their whole experience is going to be, I'm hot, right? And, and the, so basically what I'm, I'm saying is, is we can do all these things. Wisdom says, now what I'm also not going to tell you, like the last day we were there, there's a double red flag and I'm not going to tell my kids, God will take care of you, get on in there. We don't do that either because wisdom says it's foolishness. But we'll, we'll work ourselves to this well. Research says, and so-and-so says, and so-and-so says, we'll put this on them, put this on them, put this on them, we'll wrap them in bubble tape, and we forget to pray and just ask God to take care of them. I'm just foolish enough to believe that He will. And simple-minded enough to say, God, would you please keep us safe? God, would you bless this food? God, would you take us from A to B and take care of us? See, those are things that no man can deal with, because man may make a mistake. When human strength is your God, there's no hope for your future. Because human strength runs out. Because effort and protection of anyone can only go so far. Ladies and gentlemen of the church, come November, we're going to have an opportunity to exhibit faith or get real political. 
Now, this may not be something you want to talk about or agree with, but if you put your hope and trust and faith and confidence for this life in any lawmaker, you're living towards a cursing. I don't know how that's received, but that's just what I see. These are the people of God. God's going to take care of us. God's going to take care of the church. Now we're in eternity. We're going to be fine because he is our God. So when we begin to lift any name above his name, we better be careful with that. Just telling you. Did y'all know there are Christians on both sides of the aisle? And both sides of the aisle needs to be careful. Now let's go to the church word part and let's talk about what it means to be blessed. What does it really mean to be blessed? Because again, I, I, I read this that Tony Evans said, I haven't met anybody yet that didn't want to be blessed. I, I'm the same way. I want to be blessed of God for sure. And th- there was an alternative to cursing. See, that's the thing, is there's an alternative to cursing. There's an alternative to, to not trusting in God and only trusting in yourself. And that alternative, because God is real and He's made a way for us to be right with Him, is to turn from ourselves turn from our sin, to place our faith in Jesus and to follow Him. To give all of our hope and confidence for eternal life and life right now to God. That is when you are working for a blessing. Verse 7 says, look at it, verse 7 says, But blessed are those who trust in the Lord and who have made the Lord their hope and confidence. Blessed are those who trust in the Lord and made their hope or made their God, made God their hope and confidence. When we do trust God's, our, God, our heart is not stubborn. Remember the stony heart it talked about in the first part of this chapter? When we trust God and put our confidence in God, our heart is no longer full of stone. It's, it's confident in God. It's pliable. It's responsive to what God is doing. And because of our faith, God is pleased and He'll bless us. Without what? It's impossible to please God. Faith. Without faith, the Bible says... It's impossible to please God. So when we are trusting in God, according to the Scripture, we're lining ourselves up to be blessed of God. Now, the only thing left after that is just to find what blessing really looks like because we all want to be blessed. So what does blessing actually look like in the Scripture? Now, again, here's a simile that God gives us in this poetic language. In Jeremiah 17, the Scripture says, verse 7, But blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and confidence. They are like trees... Planted along a river bank with roots that reach deep into the water. Such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried about long months of drought. Their leaves stay green and they never stop producing fruit. So we are told how to be blessed and what blessing looks like. Real quickly before we leave, three ways God blesses us when we trust in Him. Three ways God blesses us when we trust in Him. Now, Before we actually get to these three ways, and we're getting there, I want to give you a simple but very real biblical conclusive definition of blessing. So if you want to write it down, write it down. Write it down in your Bible, make it on your phone. This is what biblical blessing is. God's purposeful provision and position. That's what blessing is. So stop thinking about money and materials. Stop thinking about fame and glory. Blessing, according to the Scriptures, is God's purposeful provision and position. And position. You're going to find that here in the scripture. Three ways God blesses us when we trust in Him. Number one, He positions us securely. He positions us securely. The scripture says, roots that reach deep into the water. If you would put that picture of the tree on the screen, you can leave it up and go in and out of it however you choose. This, this is the picture of the tree that's planted by, by rivers of water. 
roots that reach deep into the water. Those who trust in the Lord are spiritually stubborn. That's a good thing. Often we think about stubbornness as being bad, like bullheaded, like my granddaddy used to say, like it's a bad connotation, right? But stubborn in this way, spiritually stubborn is a good thing. This is why we grind stumps and don't just pull them out all the time. You know why? Because it's hard. Because they're rooted in there. Spiritually stubborn, stubborn means we will not be shaken. We will not be overwhelmed when our feelings or any other influences tell us something different than what God says. We'll not fall apart when we feel like falling apart. We'll not fall apart when the news says that the world's coming to an end. We'll not fall apart because we are children of God. We are rooted deeply in the living waters of God. And those roots reach deep into the water, the ever-present supply. The Scripture says in Psalm chapter 1, a parallel verse, Psalm chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, Oh, the joy of those who don't follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers, but they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted by the waters, like trees planted along the riverbank. Those who delight themselves in God's Word. Christians, read your Bibles. Read it. Read it and let God talk to you. Read it and let God's Spirit join with what Jesus has said and what the Word of God says and let Him minister to your heart and give you hope and confidence. That is a blessing. To be spiritually stubborn, to have a position of security that God gives by His Word and will keep you there by His Word. If you don't want to go emotionally crazy during these times, read God's Word. Put it in you and let God minister to you. We were... I went to play golf on vacation. Golf course shut down. There's a guy there about 20 years old running things. Apparently he had a date later that night. It rained too much. So he closed it down. Thanks a lot, buddy. Head back to the hotel... I head back to where we were staying, and uh, Noel wanted to, to get out and about us. So well, I'll just forego this golf thing, and I'll take Noel, and we'll go on a little daddy-daughter date and have a little afternoon together. So that's what we did. And I was like, what do you want to go do? So we were in Panama City, and we, were headed, toward, we headed towards Pier Park. And uh, the first thing you see when you get to Pier Park is this huge, huge, way-in-the-sky Ferris wheel. And I do not like heights, y'all. I'm just telling you. Like right now, I walk nervous just being right now. I'm just kidding. But I, don't, I do not like heights. And, and so she sees it, and immediately she says, that's what I want to do. I want to do that. I'm like, you, you want to do that? You know, I'm like, I'm trying to make deals and offer other things that we might could do. And she said, no, I want to do that. Let's do that. And I was like, baby, you, are you sure? And she said, well, I'm probably going to be really scared, but I'll be with you, so I'll be all right. And I was like, what else do you want to do then? <laughs> I was like, you want to bungee jump? Let's do it. You with daddy. You know, that's kind of what I, that's the way that I felt. And uh, well, I was still scared. But seriously, after she said that, after she said that, I was like, let's do it. Because somewhere along the way, for our kids, it's the same with yours. Somewhere along the way for our kids, we were always telling them, you, if mommy and daddy aren't freaking out, you don't freak out. We're going to take care of you. We're going to do our best. We'll even give our life for you, right? Like that's where we're at. So that's the words that we spoke eventually gave confidence to where she bought it. These are the words of just daddy. This is the word of the heavenly father, the author of eternity. 
the, the creator of everything. And God's word over and over says, do not fear. Promises that God gives us all throughout. Did you know Genesis to Revelation is God's desire to bless? And he takes care of his people all the way. Do his people waver and get themselves in consequences? Does he allow it? Absolutely. Does he take care of his people? You bet you he does. Now and in eternity. And, and this, this position of security... This position, this purposeful position of security is given to those who believe and who trust. And that's a good thing to stand on. You can have a lot of confidence walking in. And speaking of confidence, that's the second thing that's a part of blessing is God's provision of confidence. He positions us securely through His Word. He he provides for us confidence through His Spirit. The scripture says, not bothered by the heat or worried long worried about or by long months of drought. Look at the picture on the screen once again of that healthy tree. Do you think the tree that's on the screen, you think that tree's bothered by drought? You think it's you think it's worried about heat? No, it's planted by the riverbank. Not worried about any of those things. And so it can live. It can live. And it can think about providing you shade. Not, you know, I'm talking personifying a tree. But you can provide you shade and fruit and all those things. You can build a tree house. All those things, because it ain't worried about that. It's not thinking about surviving and advancing to the next day. It's life and just living it. It's freed up with confidence. Think about, God showed me this years ago, and I love this. You think about David and Goliath, 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 24. The Bible says, when the Israelite army saw Goliath, they began to run away in fright. Meaning this, when the heat turned on, they went the other direction. When the drought looked like it was coming at them, they went and went the other direction. But David, a young sheep herder from an everyday family, a ruddy kid, was not bothered when the going got tough. The scripture says, David said, I've killed lions and bears, and I'll do it to this Philistine too, for he has defied the armies of the living God. Goliath, you're pretty tough, but my covering and covenant is by much tougher than you. God has got me, and God has got us. And that began to activate by faith. He, he had trusted in God. Now remember what we said, the armies of, the, of Israel, when Goliath ran out, they ran the other way. But in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 48, I love this. As Goliath moved closer to the attack, David quickly ran out to meet him. So when the heat turned up and big old Goliath started walking towards him and all the other army was running away, David said, well, let's go. I love that. I love that. He actually ran to meet him. I am under the covering of God. I will live because God says he'll take care of me and I'm going to bust heaven wide open. I'm going to live while I'm here. If I die, I'm going to heaven. So what else you got? I mean, this is the, you can't do nothing with a man like this. What's gotten into this kid? It's confidence. And it's not arrogance. And it's not confidence built on anything else. It's confidence in the covering of God. Confidence in the blessing of God. The word of God. It's God's provision of confidence. This is how God blesses his people. You can live under the confident covering of the Lord. He was a tree connected to the water supply for the church. Remember, Brother Dusty's scripture from last week. From 2 Corinthians 1, 22. The Bible says... And he has identified us as his own by placing the Holy Spirit in our hearts as the first installment that guarantees everything he has promised us. 
It's a guarantee. The Spirit of God on the inside is a guarantee that God's got you. Go on and live, church. Go on and live and live for Him. Amen? So this is blessing. He positions us securely. He provides for our confidence. And then He purposes our plant. He purposes our plant. The Bible says their leaves stay green. They never stop producing fruit. When we trust God, our leaves stay green. Stay green. This is a continual life. It's not like the stunted shrub. And some of us may feel today like we're dead branches every day. We are dead branches and there's no green leaves. Every once in a while there's some life. And and truly this could be because we are living by feeling rather than faith. When we live and are dictated by every feeling that we have about every little thing, then, then likely what is going to happen is we are going to feel dead inside because you can't trust feelings. We're, we're living by faith. The scripture, even going down, it says, look at verse 9. The human heart is the most deceitful of all things, desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? So, so the heart being the, the immaterial part of man and your feelings are mixed up in that, you can't trust it. And when you put your faith and confidence in God, God says you are positioned to be blessed and your feelings are not running the show. Truth is. And so you will have that position of security, that confidence of God, and you'll be alive. And when you're alive, you can help. That's the point. When you're alive, you can help somebody. Blessing from God looks like we're going somewhere on purpose. Looks like we're alive. Let me ask you, if you're looking for shade in your life, you're going to go to that tree or you're going to go to the stunted shrub? You're going to build a house and build it by your own hands and you're on that show alone. <laughs> are you going to go to the stunted shrub or are you going to go to that tree by the, by the rivers of living water? You're going to pick fruit from which tree? The one in the desert or that one? This church is why when God blesses us, we are to be a blessing. Why we should live with eternal confidence. Why we should think about what God has given us so that we can be a blessing to others. Because God is going to bless you so that you can bless them. That's the way it works. God is a stewardship God. So much of God's blessing on his people is done so for the benefit of others. The fruit of a tree means that the tree is healthy. It's well provided for. But that fruit is also meant and benefits others. Is anyone experiencing a pick-me-up because of you? Is anyone around you in your circle experiencing ministry because of you? Is, is anyone finding shade from your presence? Or are you the one that skips on into work and starts listing all your multiple problems before everybody? And they're going to look for shade for somewhere else. Is anyone provided for because of God's provision for you? What has God blessed you with so that you can bless others with that? What has God given you so that you can be a steward of it? If, if you want blessing in your life, you better be ready to get that blessing and give it away. Because that's the purpose of God blessing His church. is so that we can take the provision and the position and go with that purpose to get it to somebody else. Amen?